let's humble ourselves before the Lord and pray. Holy God, in your mercy and your grace, you have come to us in Christ Jesus. Though we have not deserved it, you have given us your only Son, that through him we may have life and life everlasting. Help us to set our hearts and minds upon you, upon Christ Jesus, as his followers. Shape us according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Believe it or not, since the middle of January, we have been in this series, God's Church for a Time Such as This. And there have been a lot of different topics that we've covered in this particular series. And they all help us to shape us to be followers of Christ Jesus. To realize that you and I are called by name to be His church. And the past couple of weeks, we've really been focusing on what does it mean to seek His face. And we have been focusing on 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. To be God's church is to be called by his name. It is to humble ourselves before him and not just once but ongoingly, continually. It is to pray, and not just on Sunday, but throughout the week we are to pray continually. And in the same manner, we are to seek His face continually. Psalm 105 verse 4 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Why are we to seek His continually? Uh, his presence continually because apart from his presence apart from him we can do nothing that we are insufficient for the task at hand last week i read a quote from steve lawson i'll repeat it here the christian life is not hard it is impossible you cannot live it on your own strength only by the power of christ can it be done so thus you and i need to seek the Lord in the strength to seek His presence continually. Well, what does that mean to seek His face, to seek His presence? Is that some sort of mystic journey that we have to take? Last week we talked about, well, if I pray, do I have to go up to the mountain or in the forest? Or do I have to sit cross-legged? And Which, by the way, for a lot of us is really hard to do nowadays, Right? Do I have to sit cross-legged and and gaze into my navel and do all of that? And the answer is no. It's not such a mystic experience that you have to have that way. Actually, in a very simple manner, this is what it is. To seek His face is to set your heart and your mind on God. That's it. To seek His face is to set your heart and mind on God. First Chronicles 
Chapter 22 says this, Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Psalm 27 from our reading, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. One thing I seek is just to be in His presence, to sit in His presence. And I bet all of you have a yearning for that, to be in His presence. And then verse seven, or verse 6, actually I'll go verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. We have that yearning, but it's hard, right? It's almost impossible for us by ourselves to seek His face. really takes the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us, to direct us. I mean, I'm like a good hunting dog in a way. I'm loyal to my master. But if I see a squirrel, whoa, I'm way off there, right? Yes, Lord, I seek squirrel! Another one, another one. And in our day and age, the digital day and age, there's always a text to answer. There's always a phone call or an email or something like that. Or you have this thought and you think, oh, I should Google that, right? And then you're like a half hour has passed. And then you find how to boil hard, uh, hard boil eggs the best way. You know, it goes down that path. So what does it mean to set our heart, our mind on Him? We're going to cover four things this morning. And they kind of progress, if you will. Perhaps from the easiest to not, I don't, I don't want to say hardest, but the more engaging, the more fruitful. The first one, the first one is actually the most obvious. It is to have quiet time with God. Psalm 46 says, Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. Instead of all those squirrels to follow, instead of all the texts and the emails and everything else, is to take a moment to be still and know that He is God. And there's a calmness that comes from that. Now, for some people, by the way, it is appropriate then to go out in nature because there are fewer distractions there. And you behold His glory in all of creation. And so it could be on the mountaintop. It could just be on your patio or porch. What is it here in Arizona? Is it patio, porch? Patio? Okay, thanks. There really aren't porches here, are there? No. <laughs> All right, I'll learn that. So, But to be able to sit, right? For some people, it's the sunrise. Remember, I'll be there 4.30. I'll see sunrise. For other people, it's in the evening. But sometimes it's just to be able to sit and behold his glory. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. There's a, at least a general revelation of who God is and the glory of Him and His creation. 
And you sit and marvel at that. For a moment, you're still and know that He is God. Psalm 8 says this, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. You have set Your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. And then this, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You know that he is God and he is exalted over all things. So for some of you, it might be, all right, for five minutes this day, I'm going to put down the phone. I'm not going to have the radio on or anything. I'm just going to sit to be still and know that he is God, to seek his presence in some quiet. I mean, Jesus did the same thing, right? He would often go away by himself into some desolate place, away from everything else, to focus on his relationship with the Father. And so thus, you and I need that quiet time just to focus on our relationship with him. So that's the first level for all of us to do that. Now, just by a show of hands, I wasn't going to do this, but by a show of hands, how many people have a hard time of just sitting and being quiet? Show of hands? Yeah, okay. Uh, About half, about half. So sometimes it's good to focus our minds on something else. And for that, I would say focus on his word or take time to absorb his word. Now, the biblical word would be abide, to abide in his word. But how many people have used abide in his word, even the word abide in the last year? Anybody? Yeah, we don't use that anymore. But it is a good word, But so I use absorb, to take time, to take in, to meditate upon, to ponder, to think through. And that's in a large part what we do in every single Bible study that we have. We take our time. We savor phrases, words. We do that in messages too. I mean, really, I I bet you're wondering, how long is this series going to go? Because two weeks ago, we focused on one word, humble. And then last week, we did one other word, pray. Now we've got a little phrase, seeking his face. But in really taking a look at what does that mean? How does it apply to that? We have a depth then that you don't get other times, other places. So we say, what does that mean? How does that apply to me? And when you take it in and you absorb his word, you find out what's pleasing to God. And when you find out what's pleasing to God, do you know what happens? You see his face. You're in his presence in that regard. And never underestimate the power of his word and his word alone. Last week, we had Mark Johnson from the Gideons. And do you remember, he talked about how a drug dealer came to saving faith because his mom 
came to saving faith because she read the Bible. In, uh, in Flor- Florida, I think it was, she read a Bible. She came to faith because of God's Word. And then he came to faith as well. And it changed his life. You see, Hebrew, uh, Hebrews chapter 4 says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints. And, get this, dry fingers. Okay, I'm going to start over. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God's God's word pierces through and brings you from darkness. It shows the darkness and then shows the light. Mark Johnson, a couple years ago, also told a story, an account of some gang members. And I don't remember what country it was in. It might have been Mexico. But gang members were at the school. And they wanted to get some of the Bibles. So they would hand out New Testament tracts at the school but they weren't using it for reading. They were using it to roll joints. That's what they were using it for. Because it was, you know, thin paper, and they would use it for that. But one of the gang members one time just stopped and read one of the pages, and I believe it was from the book of Revelation. I don't remember what verse. But it stopped him. And he wanted to know what this means. So he went and then talked to one of the Gideons and he said, what does this mean? And because of that, he came to saving faith. And not only did he come to saving faith, but many of the gang members did. And I believe that gang, that person who came to saving faith first also went into ministry full time. So the word of God is active. It shows the darkness and brings you into the light. It shows the gospel Jesus said to the Jews who believed, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. His word sets you free from darkness to light. So absorbing his word, taking it in, his word also sanctifies you. God's word sanctifies you. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How is your mind renewed? Through His Word. And His Word transforms you. I have told you before that I am not the same man I was five years ago. And certainly not the same man I was 10 years ago. I have been formed, conformed ever closer into the image of Christ. Now, I have a long ways to go. Okay? I don't claim perfection by any means. But I have been shaped by Him. Never underestimate 
the power of just being in his word. You see, there's a woman named Kimberly Cornelius. And I'm going to read a, a, a truncated part of her testimony. And her testimony is called, How Reading the Bible Changed My Life. She says this, I know that sounds a bit dramatic, but it's true. Reading the Bible changed my life. I was a 14-year-old girl at the time, and in my opinion, everything in my life was going just fine. I wasn't looking for an opportunity for my life to change because I didn't think anything needed to change. The youth pastor at our home church had this annoying love for what he called sharing time. He would have us teens break up into smaller groups and share with one another what God was doing in our lives. I couldn't share what God was doing in my life because I had a secret. God wasn't doing anything in my life. At least that's how I felt. I knew enough Christianese, however, to get by during these times. But that didn't change the fact that I basically had no relationship with God. I believe I was a Christian, but I was a baby Christian who had been a baby Christian for the past eight to ten years. Around this time, one of my Bible teachers started giving homework for me to read in Acts. So I reluctantly read the book of Acts. And by the way, if you are doing our Bible reading, you should be in the middle of the book of Acts. I found this God's timing to be good on this one. I read one chapter a day for 28 days all through Acts, and I was ecstatic. I had never read a book of the Bible like that before, just taking one chapter a day for an extended period of time. In the past, my attempts to read the Bible had all failed. As I read God's Word consistently, day by day, something amazing began to happen. Something inside me began to change. I began to love my family more. I began to look forward to fellowshipping with believers at church. I began to desire to live righteously. I began to recognize and forsake sins in my life. But the most important change is that I began to know God. For the first time in my young Christian life, I had a deepening, growing relationship with God my Savior, my Creator. For the first time, I understood and believed that my life was held in the great and awesome hands of my kind and gracious Heavenly Father. For the first time, I recognized what a terrible rift my sin could create between me and God. And for the first time, I realized the hurt of that sin. I felt like my eyes had been opened I was seeing the world in a whole new light. I was seeing my life through the clarifying, intensifying, purifying lens of Scripture. The last conclusion I would want any reader to come to is that I'm a super spiritual Christian or that I didn't have any major sin struggles after the Reformation in my life. The fact is that I faced some of the hardest battles in the next couple of years and even to this day I struggle with my flesh, and often my waning desire to pursue God. She concludes, seeking God isn't something that anyone does naturally. So when I look back at the time in my life, I don't see a 14-year-old who suddenly became spiritual. 
I see a gracious God who chose to intervene in an apathetic teen's life. I didn't see my own faithful heart. I see the faithful heart of God that kept pursuing me despite my faithfulness and that still pursues me to this day. I'm going to guess you can probably see yourself in part of that testimony, if maybe not all of it. God's Word brings you from death to life. God's Word sanctifies you. It shapes you. And really, if you want to see the face of God, if you are seeking the face of God, be conformed to the nature of Christ Jesus. To seek His face is to seek His presence, is to also be conformed or to grow into the nature of Christ Jesus. You see, this is something that most people who say that they are Christians rarely focus on. For example, if I asked you, how have you grown as a follower of Christ Jesus in the last two months? Most people would have no answer to that. Most people, in American churches anyway, try to be a good Christian, to have the Christianese part that Kimberly talked about. And although she didn't call it out specifically, the changes in her were really being conformed into the mind, the heart of Christ. So if you want to see the face of God, set your heart, your mind, on the heart and mind of Christ. We actually talked a bit about that in one of the sermons in this particular series. We went to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5, says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So to have the mind, the heart of Christ Jesus is to say, I will submit fully to the Father's will. I will die to myself and live for Him. And isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? See, when you do that, more and more you see the face of Christ. You see the face of God. Now, I know this can be hard. And so for me, I've taken what I call my top five things to work on. And you might want to consider this too. So if I asked you, how have you grown as a follower of Jesus? You can think of five things. Love, grace, mercy, repentance, and forgiveness. See, how have you grown in the love that Christ has for us in the last two months? How have you grown in grace, which is 
giving some, somebody something they don't deserve? How have you grown in mercy? Which is withholding punishment for something they do deserve. How have you grown in repentance? Kimberly talked about how in her reading the Word, she realized the effects of sin. And there's repentance that comes from that. You could tell by her testimony. And then how have you grown in forgiveness? And by the way, as I talked about, each of these steps, so to speak, and I, I hesitate to call them steps, but each of these things, spending time with God, absorbing quiet time with God, absorbing His Word, and now growing into the nature of Christ, grows you into a deeper and deeper relationship with Him, and it gets harder in some ways. It does not get easier. It gets harder, but the fruit you bear is so much better. So you might have heard a poem that kind of helps with all of this. It's, I asked God. I asked for strength, and God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I asked for wisdom, and God gave me problems to solve. I asked for prosperity, and God gave me brawn and a brain to work. I asked for courage, and God gave me dangers to overcome. I asked for patience, and God placed me in situations where I was forced to wait. By the way, that's a very dangerous prayer, right? Lord, help me be more patient. Okay. I asked for love, and God gave me opportunities. I received nothing I wanted. I received everything I needed. My prayer has been answered. You see, if you seek his presence and pray to grow, and, and pray, literally pray, Lord, give me opportunities to grow in love, in grace, mercy, repentance, and forgiveness. You will find, without doubt, you will find that you are insufficient for the task at hand. And thus, you must come back to him. You come back to the cross each and every time. Paul said this, 2 Corinthians but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, growing as a follower of Jesus Christ, being his church, his called out ones for times such as this is not just an intellectual, spiritual retreat type thing where you go up on the mountain. It actually happens with the people right in front of you. To love your spouse as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's from Ephesians. That's actually directly for husbands. But wives to love your spouse in the same way. To forgive someone who you don't think deserves forgiveness. That's also mercy, by the way. And to even then help the one whom you don't think deserves even any help is grace. Give them. I mean, really, it happens right in front of you. 
This is what it means to grow in a deeper relationship. And when you do that, when you do that and you reflect upon the day, you think, oh, I had the opportunity to be in the presence of his face that day. You know, I, I'm praying for a, a young man. His name's John. And he works on one of the, uh, the landscaping crew. And we just opened the church for him, you know, for anybody to use the restrooms because they're working all day. And uh, he was using the, the restroom. I was, uh, he was going to the restroom. I was uh, in my office. And I said, hey, you know, we've never talked about any faith or church or anything, but um, our church is just doing a come and see, and I'd like you to come and visit with us. And he said, thank you. You know, I've, I've been wanting to get back to church. And so I, I thought, well, great, you know, come and see, right? So he used the restroom. I was in my office doing something, and then he came back and made it a point to really thank me again. And he said he would have been, he, he been here a couple of weeks ago, and he said he was going to bring his mom too. But he made it a point to really thank me. Now, I don't know how, where that seed will come to fruition, but he heard an invitation. And at that moment, being an ambassador for Christ, just saying, hey, come and see. There's just the presence of God in all of that. And you see his face. This is what we're talking about here. And finally, I would like to have you consider, pursue his blessings. You know, one of the best known benedictions is from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So this is really talking about God blessing you by showing his face, lifting up his face upon you, his presence. To have his face shine upon you is to say that his presence and blessing is upon you. One commentator said this, when we draw close to God, we are blessed with his shining favor. So that's something we long for, right? That's why that benediction is so wonderful. So how do we receive, or even, I would say, pursue that blessing? And actually, for this, I'd like you to consider the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes. Let me just read part of it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I mean, it goes on, right? We love those Beatitudes. They are calming. They soothe our soul in many ways. And actually, it was almost a year ago exactly that we covered the Beatitudes in two sermons, but we didn't even cover them all. And so I'm not going to try to redo what took me two sermons and didn't even cover all of the Beatitudes. That's not the point here. If you want to grow as a follower of Christ Jesus, if you want to see His face and you're seeking His face, Take a look at the Beatitudes and pick one of them. And really absorb, ponder, meditate, live 
that out for a month. And you will find it to be very fruitful. This is a deeper walk with God. This is a deeper walk in His presence. You know, the one for me is this last one on the screen. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This is the one that has pulled me along quite a bit. And so when I focus on that, and I hunger and thirst for His righteousness, I get a better understanding of how holy and pure He is, and then I'm not. And then I realize how poor in spirit I am, that I am actually bankrupt before Him. And then when I start to think about that, I have to understand how merciful He is for each and every one of us. As you see, these are all tied together. So to pursue His blessings is to pursue a relationship with Him. Psalm 63. Listen to the depth of this relationship. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuaries, beholding the power, your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Get a sense of being in his presence. This is the relationship that we have with Him. You see, this is going to be important. To be able to take this and apply it. I know that there's a lot here that you could do. I'm asking you to do at least one of them. Because I know if I asked you to do everything that we just covered, that would be intimidating. But at least one of these things, to seek a, his face with a deep, uh, is to seek a deeper relationship with him, to set your heart and mind on God. So to have a quiet time with him, maybe that's it. But if you're like me, the loyal hunting dog who sees a squirrel every five seconds, maybe it's time then to have his word in front of you. And then focus on his word. And then if I were to ask you a month from now, how have you grown as a follower of Jesus? Would you be able to say, I have grown in love, grace, mercy, repentance, and forgiveness? I've been conformed more into his image. And I am pursuing, I am seeking the blessing simply by seeking his righteousness I hunger and thirst for that. 
God's church for a time such as this needs each and every one of us to stand firm upon him, to grow in him, on Christ Jesus, who is the solid rock. And for that, we give thanks and praise. Amen.